Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to go through verses 1 to 9. So, we're in the book of Philippians. We've been working our way through Philippians um, all summer. And um, it's been good, I think. And you know what? We're almost done. Pastor Shane's going to finish it up next next week. So, the question there uh, becomes, what's next? Well, this fall, we're going to become wisdom chasers in the book of Proverbs. So, we're going to mine some of God's wisdom out of there and see if we can apply it to our lives. Uh, So, we're looking forward to... Digging into God's Word in the book of Proverbs coming up. That starts, I think, on August 4th. Um, so that's, that's all coming up. So uh, living in this consumer-driven society that we do, it's inevitable that we do a bit of shopping. I saw a graphic on my social media feed uh, last week that said, Repeat after me. I do not need anything from Amazon today. <laughs> and for me, I needed to repeat that. You know, it's like I... My wish list just grows and grows. And one of the things that um, companies will do is to help us with our purchases is they will offer guarantees. And some of them even offer lifetime guarantees. So, you know, if you, if you buy something and you don't like it or it breaks, you can send it back and get a refund or an exchange. Uh, well, I, I thought, you know, with it being so hot and, um, you know... You need to stay hydrated. I, I thought I, was, I would recommend a water bottle to you. Okay, This is, a, this is from PolarBottle.com. It is made in the USA. It is dishwasher safe. And it comes with a lifetime guarantee. No matter what. This is what their website says. We take great pride in the quality of each and every Polar Bottle water bottle. Try to say that. We produce. And they distribute from their Boulder, Colorado factory. Every bottle goes through several levels of quality control before it is shipped. And our products are designed to last for years. That being said, we understand things happen. So we offer a lifetime guarantee on all of our products to ensure that our engineering quality control teams have the tools continuously to improve our products. We ask that you send the bottles back to us before we ship a replacement. If something happens, we will take care of you guaranteed. Sounds like you can't go wrong with an insulated 42-ounce water bottle from PolarBottle.com. I am not getting anything if you go buy one. And I don't think you can get them on Amazon. So the Philippians uh, has been showing us ways to find joy for our journey of life. It's a theme of the book of Philippians. And today there's some lifetime joy guarantees to be found as Paul starts winding up his letter here. So let's read these verses uh, 1 to 9 in chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia. 
and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just... Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, are thankful for your word today. It's a treasure in our life and um, boy, what would we, we do without it? Um, so, Lord, just thank you for this um, word today. And, you know, Lord, as I, as I come here to, to share, um, I can feel that gap today between uh, what I have and, and what we need. I have dry bones. And so I, I need you, Lord, to breathe on these dry bones and bring them to life in our life. Holy Spirit, fill us, um, give us ears to hear your voice, and uh, help us, Lord, um, to take a step, whatever the step may be, with you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first lifetime joy guarantee is in verse 1, is stay the course. Now the sentence, it begins with the word therefore, and so that always means in a, in a book that you're, you're at a hinge point. And so Paul's saying, because I just said this, now listen, listen to this. And then he's returning to his sweet nothings to the Philippian believers here in this sentence after he challenged them in, in chapter 3, saying, brothers and sisters, uh, people that I truly love, people that I long to be with and see, those are sweet nothings. He's, that's, that's where he, he returns to. And as you read those, even though Paul calls them brothers and sisters, it, it sounds a lot more like a father encouraging his children. You know, he, he is encouraging um, these believers to continue on in the faith. He's echoing 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. So he says, you are my joy. You are my crown. So he's, he's full of pride over them. He's like, you're my reward. Stay the course. Now, I, I could definitely give you a lifetime joy guarantee for you. If you, would, if you would stay faithful to Jesus for your whole life, and then you cross the finish line, and Jesus says to you, well done. I, I can guarantee, like, like no other time, you will experience joy right there in that moment. But from Paul's words here, there's another motive for us to recognize uh, from what he's saying there. So there's joy, not only for you, but also for those who have led you, who have pastored you, who have encouraged you, discipled you, who have, who have cheered you on and are cheering you on today. There's joy for them, for you, when you, for them when you stay the course. And last year when we celebrated our 10-year birthday as a church, last October... 
Uh, we had Dr. Charles Lake come and, and help, help us celebrate that morning. And, uh, you know, he was the founding pastor of the Community Church of Greenwood, which is our grandmother church. And he was the one who had the vision to start churches um, that would be faithful to the word of God and, and that would be faithful to the gospel about sharing the good news. And so that, so he was here, and um, I know he pastored my parents for more than 10 years, and uh, he was one of my professors in seminary. And so as Galatians 6, 6 says, let the one who is taught share all good things with the one who teaches. And so it was my joy to be able to bring him here and share with him one of the best good things in my life. You. You are one of the best good things in my life. And I know when he walked away from that Sunday, he was feeling the joy of the Lord because of living streams. That's the guarantee. The joy guarantee is not just for you. It's for the people who have led you to Christ. It's for the people who are leading you in Christ. You know, when, when, uh, when we see you walking out what you hear on Sunday morning, when we, when we see the New Testament coming to life in your life, you, our, you are our joy. You are our joy. At the Jubilee sale, a week ago Saturday, I was standing out in front of the tent and I was greeting people as they were coming in. And there was this older gentleman, he came walking in and he goes into the tent and a few minutes later he goes walking out and he's got this big sack of clothes on his, on his shoulder and, you know, I was like, yes, you know, and, um, and then he came back about a half an hour later and he had been inside here and he'd gotten something to eat. And when he was coming back, I heard him say to himself, now that's a church. You know what I felt when I heard him say that? You are my joy. You are my crown. I felt just like Paul's words there. So just let me give you a high five. Thank you again for all you did. People got loved. Stay the course. So the first thing you got to do to stay the course is you got to be on the course. You got to be on the course. Paul said, Stand firm in the Lord. And throughout these verses, you hear that phrase, in the Lord, over and over again. And so the question you've got to ask yourself is, am I in the Lord? What does that mean to be in the Lord? Well, see, you understand that that Jesus is the course. He's He's the course that we are following. And when you jump into Jesus uh, by trusting in who he is and what he's done... And he's Savior and Lord of your life. That's how you get on on course. So when you do that, you don't belong to you anymore. You belong to him. And so you don't go about living your life just like you um, want to live it. No, That is no longer the way you think. I mean, in fact, that was the way you thought uh, about your life before you jumped into Jesus. Now you're trusting him. And in fact, you uh, have been saved by him, by the sacrifice on the cross. And so it's not only uh, I want to go live my life the way I want to live it. That changes to I want to go live my, my life the way he wants me to live it. And so everything, if you are in the Lord, everything about the way that you live, you want to run by him. You want him to show you how to live. You want to make him smile. You want to be his joy and crown. If you're in the Lord. 
And if you've never had a relationship like that with Jesus, then, then you're not in the Lord. And the great thing about that whole deal, about getting on course, is all you've got to do is believe in Him. Believe that He is the Son of the living God. And trust that what He did on the cross, dying, shedding His blood, was for you to cover your sins, to provide forgiveness for you so you could have a relationship with God. That's jumping into Him. And when you do, you know what you do? You, you take whatever map you're using to, to live your life and you throw it out and you pick up His map. And you start following it. That's jumping in to Jesus. That's being in the Lord. Are you in the Lord? You know, today's the day of salvation. He hasn't come back yet. So just, you know, if you're, if you're here today and you say, I'm not really in the Lord. Let me encourage you to jump into Him today. You know, just like you are, mistakes, messes, the disaster it is. Jump into Him. Trust Him. He'll take you just like you are and change you from the inside out. So that's how you get on course. And once you're, once you're on course with Him and in Him, then you can hear Paul say, stay on course. So don't waver. Don't drift away. Stand firm in the Lord. Keep doing what I've told you to do. In Paul's words, that's what his final instruction there was in verse verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, he says, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. So it's not you do those things so that the God of peace will be with you. You jump into Jesus and the God of peace is with you. And then you do these things to walk with him. He said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, 17, follow my example. He said in, uh, to the Corinthian church in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 11, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. See, Paul, you can hear Paul's method of discipleship. Well, actually, it's God's method. God's method of discipleship. Follow me as I follow Christ and stay on course. I was thinking, how many times have, do you think that the Philippian church read this letter in their church? How many times would they have gone over this and over this? How many times did they hear, for to me, to live as Christ and to die as gain? And to think about what that meant in their life. How many times did they hear, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus? How many times did they hear, count others more significant than yourselves? Have the same mind as Jesus had. Do everything without grumbling and complaining. Hold fast to the word of life. Count everything as loss compared to knowing Jesus. Forget what is past the successes, the disasters, strain on toward what is ahead. There is more. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There is a lot of practical words there. And we're not even to the end of the book. And we have... So much more, right? We have the rest of the letters, and we have the Gospels, and we have the prophecies. And then the Old Testaments, which, which they had already. We have all of that to help us stay on course. So we've got to, to look at the map often. 
You know how many answers there are for your life in here? There's a lot. I know that there's questions. I know that there's questions. I think about this a lot, you know, that uh, this book has been the most attacked book in the history of the world and continues to be the best-selling book in the history of the world. So there's questions. But we walk by faith and not by sight. We can't just live our life with Jesus in the answers. We live it in the questions. So we pick up the map to stay on course. Now, every now and again, as you're in looking at the map and you're reading along, you're going to find that you're going to have to adjust to the course. Okay? You know, so you're going along and the Holy Spirit convicts you about something that you read. And he's saying, hey, you should make an adjustment here. And the Holy Spirit never forces you to do anything. He's always convicting, you know, coaxing. Hey, this is the way to walk. Walk. This is the way to go. And if you listen to the Holy Spirit when he does that, you know, the first time, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a minor adjustment in your life most of the time when you get it the first time. And so if you listen, you make an adjustment, and you keep going, you're good. But if you don't listen, and you keep going the way you're going, he keeps convicting, keeps talking to you, but the further you go without listening and doing what he's saying to do, the further off course you get, and then you end up making a course correction, which is never easy, always painful, but always worth it. So when the course says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, hear that word and adjust your life to do that every single day. And what you will do is you will keep yourself from a course correction in the counseling office. When the course says, work as though you're working for the Lord and not for men, When you go to work, you adjust your attitudes to, I'm serving the Lord and not these people that I'm working with. And when you do that, that keeps you from a course correction on Monday morning at the coffee shop looking for a new job. When the course says, clothe yourself with humility, adjust your view of yourself. Remembering your sins, remembering all you've been forgiven that will keep you from a course correction where you're down on your knees after God's disciplined you because God opposes the proud but gives gives grace to the humble. So this is just a, a few examples there of the kind of life that we will lead following Jesus, looking at the map, getting on course, staying the course, and adjusting to the course. So when you do that, I... I can give you a lifetime joy guarantee for you and for the people that are cheering you on today. Now, let's move, move on to verses 2 to 5. Paul starts winding up the letter here. And so he has a first, last thing uh, to them. Uh, and what he's telling them, the first thing is, uh, it has to do with peace. It has to do with peace. So there's a lifetime joy guarantee when you maintain the peace in your life. Um, now, to do that, sometimes that means you got to make the peace, and most of the time it means you have to keep the peace. And so he mentions Yodia and Syntyche have got some peace to make. 
Uh, so for some reason they're having a disagreement that's gone on for a long time. And they, we don't know the reasons. We don't know who was right. We don't know who was wrong. We don't know how it got started. We just know that there's no peace in the church because of this disagreement. And Paul is begging them to make up. He's begging them. And you know, apparently the disagreement was public enough that the whole church was feeling it. And that's why he's addressing it in the letter to the whole church. And so notice Paul says in verse 2, agree in the Lord. There's the phrase, in the Lord. Agree in the Lord. So, because you are both believers, make the peace. Now, when you, when you hear that, understand that as a believer in Jesus Christ, in a fellowship of believers of Jesus Christ, you have a responsibility to make peace when you don't have it with somebody. There's a responsibility there. And it's, it's not easy uh, to, to make peace, it, it's uncomfortable, it's emotional, it, it's hard, but it, it's worth it. Now, forgiveness is always possible in a conflict. Forgiveness is. Because it doesn't require the other person to do anything. You don't require them to do something to forgive them. We can forgive people when they don't, you know, they don't have to give us anything back, and we should. We forgive them before God. If you don't do that, you're not free. And you can't live free. You can't love free. But reconciliation is another matter because reconciliation takes both sides. Both sides coming together. And that's not always possible. Now, because making peace is so hard, in verse 3, Paul asks for some help. He, He calls out to this true partner, somebody that's on site with these women, somebody who's a leader in the church, and he's saying, hey, help them make make the peace. Help them do it. So a peacemaker is somebody who brings two people together to help them work through their differences. And that is, is not an easy role to do. Um, you cannot take sides in that. The goal is not to help someone win. The goal is to help them come together and, and reconcile. And so it's a difficult job there. Reconciliation, it's about getting humble about what, what happened. It's about getting honest about what happened. It's about giving up things. And so you can turn to one another, forgive, forget, and move on. And when you can do that, when you can really do that, forgive, forget, and move on, there's a joy hug right there. There's a reunion when you come back together. So after the plea for help, then he gets some reasons for reconciliation. He says, these two women have worked with me side by side in spreading the good news about Jesus. And so they are co-laborers. That's a reason for reconciliation. They are co-laborers. And their names of these two women, Yodi and Syntyche, I just wanted to say them again. Um, they are written in the book of life, Jesus' book. And so that means that they've truly believed in him. So they're co-believers. And that's another reason to reconcile. So they have worked side by side. They have worshipped side by side. And now the side by side witness is damaged to the world. You know, Jesus said that they'll know They'll know we are Christians by our love for one another. By our love for one another. So what we've got to realize is there are more important things than our disagreements with each other. And those are reasons to forgive and to move toward reconciliation. Now, making peace with anybody is important in your life. When you don't have it, it can affect your whole life. So it's not just about in here. But in here, we've got a responsibility to work for it with people that we co-believe and co-labor with. 
Now that reconciliation, it's, it's, it's hard to get to. They, you've got to humble yourself and confess your part of the pain. If you were 10% of the problem, you confess your 10% of the problem. And then you have to die. You have to die to the pain that, was re, that you received. You have to give that to the Lord. You have to give up your desire to win, your desire to be right, your desire to be justified, your desire to get revenge. You have to give all that up. You end up loving an enemy. But because they're co-believers and because they're co-laborers, we work toward getting back to a side-by-side witness. That is exactly how God wants us to love each other. Dying to ourselves in conflict with one another. That is going to show that what we believe is true. How horrible are we at doing this? How often do we hear about the Hatfields and the McCoys making up? We don't do good at it. We just split up and move on. So make the peace. On the other side of the making, there's joy. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Now, verses 4 and 5, he gives us a couple instructions there to help us keep the peace when we have it. The first one is, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. There's the phrase again, in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. What does that mean? Well, that means that we are going to rejoice in who the Lord is, what the Lord has done, and what the Lord is doing. You know how hard it is to stay mad at somebody or to get mad when you are truly rejoicing in the Lord? Just the mere knowledge of how much we have been forgiven kind of levels the ground that we walk on together, that we co-labor you know, on. We're not any better than anybody else. When we remember how much we've been forgiven... That helps. That goes such a long way. I mean, we, that, there's a there's a there's a place to rejoice. There, I have been forgiven so much. I'm going to rejoice in that. And if I'm going to rejoice in that, how can I not forgive this person? Jesus doesn't hold grudges. You know, he ought to have a grudge against me this morning for the way I lived last week. But he doesn't hold grudges. How can I rejoice in that and then hold a grudge against somebody else? Rejoice in the Lord always. I don't get what I deserve when I sin. Jesus already took that. To rejoice in that means that I'm not going to take matters into my own hands and retaliate with words or actions to somebody who's hurt me. Jesus doesn't retaliate. Praise God that he didn't retaliate. Praise God that he didn't just say, I'm on this cross, I'm done with this cross thing, I'm out of here. Praise God he didn't do it. Rejoice in that. If we are going to rejoice in that, how can we retaliate? His love is not diminished for me when I walk away. He is not offended for me for, of me when I don't speak up for him. If we're going to rejoice in that, I cannot offend Jesus. How can we be offended by someone else? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It will help you keep the peace. And verse 5 says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. In the NIV, it says, let your gentleness be known to all. And so what this means is that you're really going to be hard to pick a fight with. 
You're really going to be hard to get a rise out of. So you're going to be able to respond to attacks and to, um, to aggression, to hurtful words, to um, you know, whatever it is coming at you. You're going to be able to respond to that with graciousness and you diffuse the conflict because of that. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Have you known anyone like this? I've had two great examples in my life. In, well, three. My grandpa, my dad, and my father-in-law. Reasonable the guys. I'm still working on it. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a police officer in, uh, in L.A. Now, people who work in the L.A. County Traffic Department, um, by the nature of that work, receive a lot of complaints. And uh, so, you know, they make traffic stops and then somebody, you know, they don't think they deserve the ticket. So they complain to the police department. Every time somebody complains, it gets written down and put in their personnel file. So this one police officer, his name was Elton Simmons. He had made over 25,000 traffic stops, written thousands of traffic violation citations and never had a single complaint against him. 20 years worth of work. No complaints in the traffic department. So, you know, that's kind of shocking. And CBS thought it was shocking. So they sent a news crew to follow him around to find out what his secret was. So they said the first thing that they noticed was he had this perfect mix of of authority and diplomacy. And and not a hint of arrogance or self-righteousness or I'm better than you. And so Elton, he he explained it this way. He, he, He would say... You know, my attitude is this, we're all in this together. I'm not up here, and you're down here, and I'm looking down on you. He said, I hate it when people look down on me, so I'm not going to look down on you. One of the drivers that he stopped that day, the CBS News crew asked him about it, and he said, I think it's his smile. How can you be mad at a guy that smiles like that? So apparently, according to CBS, you can't. <laughs> can't be mad. He said, they said, time after time, ticket after ticket, Officer Simmons would melt away a polar ice cap of bad attitude with gentleness and respect. I don't know if he's a believer or not, but that's the way we ought to be living our life. In here and out there. Gentle, reasonable people. So when peace is present, joy is probable. It is a lifetime joy guarantee. You maintain the peace. Make it. Make the peace. And you will know the joy of the Lord in reconciliation. Keep the peace. And you will know the joy of the Lord as you work side by side, believing together, serving together. You'll know it more in your life. You know, I, I never... I mean, this is... I can say... I, I try not to use those kind of words. I never... You know, but this is true. I never liked English class. Just wasn't me. And especially didn't like punctuation. But as I'm studying this and I'm looking at the punctuation in this, it helped me come up with a lifetime joy guarantee in the next part. Practice the presence. So the second half of verse 5 is translated punctuated differently in different Bibles. Most of them say the Lord is near, period. Okay, most of them say that. And so when you read that, the Lord is near, period, 
you can see that as another reason for reconciliation. So, the Lord is near. So, hey, make peace because the Lord is near. Make peace because your father's coming back soon. Straighten up. That's always kind of how I've understood it. But when you read it in the ESV, it says, the Lord is at hand, semicolon. Which means it doesn't relate to what came before. It actually applies to what's coming after. So this is not, hey, you better straighten up before your father gets home. This is, your father is with you. So tell him about your worries. Thank him for what he's done. Experience his peace. Dwell on him. Practice the presence of God as you live your life. You know what Psalm 1611 says? You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, Jesus is coming back. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. There are pleasures forevermore right there. But Jesus is with you right now. He is with you today. The Lord is at hand. He is near you. So practice the presence of the Lord in your life. That is a lifetime joy guarantee. And verses 6 and 7. This is a memory verse for you, and I fully don't have it down. Um, but if we should also tack on the end of verse 5. The Lord is at hand, so do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So because the Lord is with you, Unload your worries on him through prayer. Thank him for all he's done. Because that strengthens your faith when you look back and you see all he's done. You see that he was with you. And then experience his peace. There's rest right there. So not only is the Lord with you, but the Lord has got you He's got you. You know, when you stand any problem up against Jesus, Jesus always wins. Never loss, never even a tie. Stand any problem up against Jesus, Jesus always wins. He always conquers the problem. But the beautiful thing is, we don't need a conquered problem in our life for peace. We just need to know that the Lord has got us. And that brings the peace. So while we wait for him to answer, that peace guards our hearts from being weighed down by these worries. And it guards our minds from taking these worries out to their worst possible conclusion. And we rest. We rest in him because the Lord has got you. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your worries and cares on God because God cares for you. Now, this is something you have to practice. You have to get a habit of doing this because it does not come naturally to us. What comes naturally is our eyes are looking at things, our eyes are seeing the problem, and we are not seeing that the Lord is at hand, that the Lord is present here. We are thinking, He's not hearing my prayers. But that is not the truth. The truth is the Lord is near, the Lord is with us, and He's got me. That is the truth. 
And we have to practice His presence. And when we do that, there's peace and there's fullness of joy to keep us going. And verse 8 comes along. Paul gives another memory verse, which again, I don't have down. But I'm telling you, these are memory. Are they not memory verses? They are. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So instead of dwelling on your worries, there's a whole lot of other things you can dwell on. Things that are right and worthy, fair and pure, beautiful and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. That's a lot of things to let your mind dwell on. In fact, there are so many things there, you might worry that you can't come up with things to think about. It's like having a hundred different cable channels and nothing to watch. Maybe. Well, here's the cool thing. Here, this, is, this is the good part. Jesus is all of those things in their fullness. He is all of those things. So Jesus is with you. Jesus has got you. So dwell on Jesus. I'm going to have Pastor Shane and Chad come back up. That's what we're going to do here as we close. We're going to just dwell on Jesus. We're going to set our minds on Him. His presence. So hear these words from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 22. This is all about Jesus. This is a hymn that Paul wrote to the Colossian church. It's beautiful. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his his body. He is the beginning, supreme Over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you. Who were once far away from God. You were, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Dwell on Jesus. Practice His presence all throughout the day. Let Him be your first thought when you wake up in the morning. Let Him be your last thought when you close your eyes and go to sleep. 
He is magnificent. In Him, all all the treasures and knowledge are hidden in Him. There is no bottom to knowing Jesus. You will never get to the end of that. Dwell on Him. Practice His presence. Remember what His name is. It is Emmanuel. I know it's not Christmas time, but you know that. Remember what Emmanuel means? God is with us. Remember His promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. The promise is for you today. The Lord is with us. Remember Him. Remember your Jesus. You will find rest for your souls. You will find peace for your mind. And you will find joy for your heart. Guaranteed. Let's stand. And let's pray together. Well, Lord, it's, it is that simple, isn't it? To trust and obey from the first day in you to the day we're living. Trust and obey. Lord, we hear these words from Philippians. And I just want to pray for, for people today that if there's an adjustment that they, they need to make, and if you've if you've nudged them, if you've spoken that still small voice from behind them saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, Lord, I pray for them to be able to take the steps on the way. Pray for those that know today is a, they need a course correction. I pray you grant them grace, Lord. Give them that courage to go to somebody and say, hey, I need help here. I need to walk a different way. Lord, pour out your grace upon them. Give them that courage and the ability to take that step. Pray for those here, Lord, that don't have any peace. No peace in their life, Lord, whether it's because there's a conflict with someone or because their worries have overtaken their heart. Lord, we pray that we would remember that you are with us and you've got us. And nothing bad is going to happen to us. And so, Lord, help us to take those steps of obedience to, to, to work for peace and to keep the peace. Keep working our hearts over, Lord, to be people known as reasonable and gentle. The world wants a fight from us. They call out every day looking for that. Help us respond, Lord, with your kind of love your kind of gentleness, diffusing that conflict, getting past the hurt and the anger and the pain, getting to heart, to a heart that needs to know you. Lord, I pray for those who realize today they just are not in you. And they need to jump into you today. Lord, it's scary to take a leap of faith into your arms, but show them who you are. The Lord who lived the perfect sinless life and came and gave His life on a cross because we couldn't do it on our own. And He did that knowing who we are and how we've lived. Lord, grant the faith today to take a step of faith into Jesus. Forgive their sins. Give them your Holy Spirit. Make them new. 
and help them walk out of this place with you to a new life. We praise you, Lord. We rejoice in you. Today, you have done so much. You are everything. We love you today. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.